0: Well, for the last five Sundays, we've been walking through passages in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. And if you haven't been with us, if you're just joining with us now for the first time, it's okay uh, because Ecclesiastes is part of the wisdom literature, and uh, that allows us to take parts of it and really dig into those particular parts. And so if you haven't been with us, then it really that will not affect your understanding of this particular passage, but encourage you to take some time, if you have it currently, um, to read through Ecclesiastes. And I think for those of you that have been walking with us in Ecclesiastes, you, you might agree with my uh, thought about if the author of Ecclesiastes was here with us now, he would be Jumping up and down, raising his hand, saying, you know, I told you look Look what I read, look what I wrote, I I told you this was the case because we would totally agree with a lot of what Ecclesiastes, the writer, has told us, that that life is unpredictable, that uh, we are not in control, that we are finding um, that really money and and security and pleasure, they do not bring life, they do not bring um, fulfillment to us, particularly in this time of crisis. And our topic today the passage we'll look at is the the emptiness of worldly power. The the emptiness of whether it's political, whether it's military, whether it's prosperity that the the power of this world ultimately is empty. I mean consider this with me as we're in the middle of this coronavirus Crisis. Do you think coronavirus cares one bit about the political power of any nation on the globe? I mean, the, the, the nations of the world have been brought to a standstill by this microscopic virus that moves in droplets from our respiratory system. It's spread around the world and it's brought every economic system to a standstill. Totally overshadowing in our nation now the, the political season that we're in. You know, we're seven months from a presidential election. And that's nowhere really on the front pages. It's not the topic of our conversations. It's because coronavirus is I mean, in, uh, in our nation and the nations of the world, we've got the military might to annihilate this globe number of times. We've got boats and planes and bombs and bullets, but has no impact on the coronavirus. And when you, you consider the, the power of popularity I mean, we're at a a time right now where the the governor of of Kentucky has a regular um, gathering uh, news conference at five o'clock and people are regularly gathering to hear him Um, in the state of Ohio. It's uh, a regular event uh, to two o'clock every day to have wine with DeWine, I understand and our, our president's popularity continues to go up during this time. But does the coronavirus care one bit? No. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes is right in the passage we'll look at today. is he, He's looking at the ob, his observations of the world around him. And as we've said a number of times, he um, uh, uses the phrase, as I look at things under the sun. Meaning it's what he sees from the human perspective. What he sees, what he recognizes, is that the, the things of worldly power are empty. Now, our passage is in uh, chapter 9 of Ecclesiastes, verse 13 through 18. And uh, we'll uh, look at that together. Let's, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us of your truth, of your power, and your wisdom. Give us ears to hear, and hearts to receive, and then hands and feet to do, according to your good and perfect will. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Ecclesiastes 9, starting with verse 13. I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor, wise man, and he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. The words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, a couple things from this story that the writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us. One, he's telling us clearly that wisdom, godly wisdom, is greater than worldly power. I mean, at the end, verse 16 and 18, he said, Wisdom is better than might. Wisdom is better than the weapons of war. And now, worldly power is not necessarily bad. I mean, the different kinds of power we talk about, economic power or military power or, the, or political power. I mean, just as we've been talking about throughout this series, uh, the emptiness of pleasure or money or, or security or work. Uh, th- those things aren't bad unless they become our purpose for living. The way that we find meaning in our life. If they become like our God, then that's when they become bad. They they lead us down a path that doesn't lead us to life as it was meant to be lived. And, and the same is true for worldly power, worldly influence. It's a necessary thing and in many ways can be very good. But it doesn't bring life in and of itself, it doesn't bring the joy and fulfillment that God has created for us. If we pursue that, that, that worldly power, and the, the temptation for us is real as, as humans, it has been throughout the ages that that we are tempted to to try to control our lives and get as much power as we think we can, of whatever kind, and use that power for our own security, for our own benefit. And we think that will bring us safety and that will truly bring us life to the full. And it doesn't. Godly wisdom is greater than worldly power. The other thing we see in this passage is that wisdom comes from places we don't expect. I mean, as you, you look at the, the story that he tells, it was a, a small city with a few people in it, not a, a rich city, not a lot of military might. And we're told a great king comes to set siege to the city, to take it over. And then there's this poor man as part of the city who has wisdom that is used to lead the, the city, to overcome the king who's trying to take the city over. That Wisdom comes from unusual places and then at the end uh, we we see that the passage ends with a sour note Uh, two times actually uh, the, the writer says this that that wisdom is easily forgotten that wisdom fades I mean, at the the end of the story, after the the poor wise man has led the city, it's then that he's forgotten. We're we're told that the the, the people despise him and his words are not even heard or remembered anymore. And and then at the very end, he talks about wisdom. Uh, Verse uh, 19, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good that wisdom, godly wisdom, easily fades from our attention. Uh, Mike brought to our attention last week, as we were talking about the emptiness of of work, um, how in this current crisis, uh, our our values, um, our priorities, when it comes to what jobs are essential or non-essential, what jobs are most important, it's sort of been flipped on its head. Those things that are about popularity, those things about entertainment, those that usually make the headlines, they're off the stage. They're off the court. And now we find ourselves calling heroes those manufacturing plants that make masks and ventilators. The farmers who provide the food that we eat. We're, we're honking our horns and cheering on the truck drivers as they bring toilet paper and eggs to our grocery stores. We're celebrating as heroes those that stock the goods in the store and as we learned last week, even face them in the right direction. And who would have thought it would have come to a day where, where we are, are championing the, the cashiers at the grocery store are saying yes, they deserve hazard pay for what they're doing. It's turned upside down. How we now, in this crisis, causes us to really focus on what really is important and essential for our livelihood. and we admire and appreciate those positions that maybe we've taken for granted for a long t- period of time how long do you think that'll last no when when this crisis is over how, how long will will that sense of value and priority remain ours i mean the writer of ecclesiastes says It'll fade. Our, our human nature will, will forget how wisdom is greater than power. And we will go back to what is popular, what is powerful, what brings prosperity. And put that back ahead of wisdom. I'm, I've, um, my, my experience actually would agree with the writer of Ecclesiastes. I've been through a number of hurricanes when we lived on the Gulf Coast. I was uh, alive um, uh, as an adult, a a father, um, uh, on September 11th uh, when the World Trade uh, Centers were destroyed and when a a plane struck the Pentagon on, on purpose. And I can remember in those times, similarly, during that crisis, there was a real focus on what is essential, what is important. And, and you could sense among us a, a shared value to support and encourage and, and help one another. But in time, that crisis moved on and ended up being a blip on the graph of life. Because wisdom can fade. Now, what this passage, this this story um, uh, that Ecclesiastes tells us, it it actually occurred in Jesus' life. It it occurred uh, uh, very similar to this. He's going to demonstrate the the truth of what um, Ecclesiastes is saying. But Jesus' life is also going to show us a little bit beyond what is just under the sun to what is beyond the sun. Uh, because in Jesus' life, His last six days of life, from Sunday to Friday, from the Sunday that He entered into Jerusalem to the Friday that He was hanging on the cross, uh, a little over 2,000 years ago or a little or around that time, a week, that, those days, those six days, we call Holy Week in the church. And today... We commemorate, we celebrate that Palm Sunday, that first day of the week when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Next week is Easter Sunday. But today I just want to talk about those six days from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. Jesus... Much like what the writer of Ecclesiastes talks about, wisdom comes from places you don't expect. Well, Jesus was from a small, obscure village. He was a carpenter's son. He's about 33 years old or so. And yet, he had the wisdom and the power of God. He taught the ways of God with authority and. And he had power to to heal disease, to calm the greatest storms, to feed those that were hungry, to raise those folks from the dead. And he had a popularity with the masses that came to its peak on Palm Sunday. He entered into the great city of Jerusalem on a donkey. And there the crowds, they cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, you are our king. And they laid palm branches down before him. In Matthew 21, that tells the story of, of Palm Sunday. Matthew tells us the whole city was stirred up when Jesus of Nazareth entered Jerusalem. I mean, Jesus had so much popularity, so much power among the people and authority with them that the religious leaders, the community leaders were scared and threatened of Jesus. The crowds wanted him to be their leader. They wanted him to take the the throne. They wanted to give him all political power. But in these last six days, Jesus refused He was not about obtaining political power to influence people. He was one who offered an invitation to all who were willing to follow him. He didn't use the worldly power, the power that God the Father had given him uh, to heal, the power to feed the multitudes. He didn't use that for his own Worldly success. He refused it. And he showed them in this last week that wisdom is greater than worldly power. Just like the writer of Ecclesiastes said, wisdom comes from unusual places and wisdom is greater than power. And then, as the crowds had been crying for Jesus to be king, it only took six days for the crowds to turn on Him and to cry out, Crucify Him! And those that were His students, those that were His friends, they deserted Him. They denied Him. They betrayed Him. From Sunday to Friday... He went from the powerful popularity of the crowd to now the crucified one on the cross. Demonstrating exactly what the writer of Ecclesiastes says, that we human beings are fickle. We are easily tempted by the worldly powers of our existence. And godly wisdom quickly fades. And Jesus, holding to godly wisdom, led him to the cross. And if the story ended there, then we would say what Ecclesiastes said was exactly right. But the story doesn't end there. Jesus, in a way, he corrects Ecclesiastes by showing him beyond what is under the sun, beyond just the human perspective, what we can see. And he shows that the way of godly wisdom is eternal. That the godly wisdom, which means obedience to God, submission to the love of God, a desire to live according to God's plan. That is what Jesus does in his last week. Living according to the Humble eternity of God's wisdom. He goes to the cross. He totally rejected the power plays of this world, using his popularity or his healing powers or power to calm the storms. He refused any kind of violent insurrection. That the crowds wanted him carry out or that his disciples wanted him to lead. I mean, at any point of his betrayal, at any point of his trial, at any point of his crucifixion, Jesus could have snapped his fingers and it would have been over. The hosts of heaven would have come down and destroyed all that were around and made him the king of kings and lord of lords. But he never did. And he knew that was the case. He knew that was possible. He felt that temptation of worldly power to protect himself and to avoid the wisdom of the Father. Because we're told, as Matthew tells the story of these last six days of his life, that he. Three times he he stopped and prayed. And each time he asked the Father, Take this cup of suffering from me. Not my will, but your will be done. Take this cup of suffering from me. Not my will, but your will be done. Take this cup of suffering from me. Not my will, your will be done. That is the way of wisdom. Submitting to the glory of our Heavenly Father. Jesus believed, Jesus lived a wisdom that is greater than, and worldly power. And the good news is that Jesus doesn't fade. That in Jesus' death on the cross, and in the power of his resurrection, he has stayed firm to the will of the Father. And he has accomplished for all who are in him forgiveness. He has destroyed guilt. He has destroyed death. He is victorious over sin. He has satisfied judgment. So that all who are in him are secure. Life forever in him with God. Jesus demonstrated the humble, eternal power of the wisdom of God. In the book of James, we're told a little more about that wisdom, that wisdom from above. And James, much like Ecclesiastes, is, is a really a book of wisdom literature. But in chapter 3, verses 15 and 17, he outlines for us the wisdom from above. And I think as you hear this, you'll, as you recall, the, as you hear this and recall the, all that Jesus did and endured in those last six days of his life, you'll see how he lived this out. James 3, verse 15 through 17. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Those those six days from Sunday to Friday demonstrate the greatest act of power the world has ever seen. Because Jesus powerfully, strongly stays true to the wisdom of God. Instead of resorting to the temptation of using miraculous, worldly power for selfish ambition. He shows the highest level of strength and power. And submits to the very glory of the Father. Obeying the Father's call entrusting himself to the wisdom from above, demonstrating what is pure, what is peaceable, what is gentle, what is merciful, what is sincere, and securing for all who are in him life eternal. Now, our challenges throughout this um, week the application of of the passage for for our lives has been to to declutter and to focus on what is important so how do we take this this marvelous powerful story of jesus as as he maintained his focus on godly wisdom and and did not bow to the temptation of worldly power well how do we declutter and focus ourselves. Well, I think uh, first in, in decluttering, what we, we need to declutter, which is, which is to identify and evaluate um, the p- place of power in our lives, just like we declutter a closet. We identify what's in it and evaluate what we need, get what is good, we, we keep what isn't, so we throw out. When we want to declutter, The temptations to pursue worldly powers in our own lives. And we want to focus on the wisdom of God in Jesus. Let's talk first about decluttering. Decluttering the temptations to pursue the worldly powers in our lives. Explore ways in your own lives that the, the power of politics the power of prosperity, the power of security, and obtaining those, how those might rule your life. Uh, Think with a moment with me about politics in our lives. Granted, we have a little bit of a respite from the political season, as I mentioned a moment ago. But soon enough, it will regain momentum, and it will become a primary focus of many of our conversations. We let the political power or our political leanings, our desire for our party or our views to have political power influence our conversations and our posts so much so that we are tempted by the power plays of this world to talk louder, to talk faster, to talk longer, to belittle those With whom we disagree. Or if it's not about politics. Or are you about winning the argument with the person you're talking about. More so than loving God and the person that you're talking with. On, On another front. Has this crisis caused you to become a hoarder? Do you use your economic power in order to get all that you want for weeks ahead without concern for others? That is not the wisdom from above. Maybe a helpful filter, a helpful guide would be James 3. Where do you sense jealousy, selfish ambition being the the ruling motive in these particular conversations or others? And where do you find those conversations characterized by the wisdom from above? Are they pure? Are they peaceable? Are they gentle? Open to reason? Are they full of mercy and good works? Are they impartial and sincere. Maybe it's even worthwhile um, for these next six, seven months to take James 3, 17 and 18 and just put it on your mirror or put it on your computer screen. Let that be the filter through, through which you share your posts, your ideas, your conversations and spend your day. But then... What do we want to focus on? What is the most important? Well, here, I want us to focus on the, the wisdom of God demonstrated in the life of Jesus. He is the one who doesn't fade. We fade. We are imperfect. It is, it is we, Except by the power of the Holy Spirit, will His wisdom be ruling in our lives. And we know in our own experiences that we will fade away, will be tempted by the powers of this world, whereas Jesus is the one who purely lived the wisdom of God. Now, what I encourage you to do this week is to read through Matthew 21 through 28. Those are the the last six days of Jesus' life. It's about ten pages. And, And I just want you to marinate in that story marinate in the the life of Jesus those last six days. One thing you'll notice is it's filled with wisdom stories. In in Matthew, there's only one little miracle that he does when he curses a tree and it withers. In, In Matthew's account, there's no other act of miraculous power. It's filled with the wisdom of God. But but I want you to sit in it and read it. I I would encourage you to read Matthew 21 through 28 every day this week, through this Holy Week. Read that every day and take time and sit in it. Let it marinate. I want you to marinate in it so that it soaks in and flavors us as Jesus' people. Now, if, if you, on the other hand, this is not a time that you have a, a lot of free time, but you're working, then t- if you can just take a chapter a day, from Sunday to Sunday, 21 through 28, read a chapter a, a day and let it flavor you. Meditate on the strength and the beauty and the power and the love of Jesus as he faithfully lives the wisdom from above. And what, how wonderful it would be as a, as a people, we continue to grow in this wisdom, not only now, in this crisis, but even after. That it wouldn't fade, but we grow stronger. And I do have just a simple, a word of celebration around just how I have seen this wisdom be at, at work in you and in, in, in the church. Different acts of love and righteousness, uh, acts of gentleness. One is uh, so many are staying at home. They're keeping their contact down. They they are keeping the, the virus at bay and also taking time to pray, particularly for our government leaders. Uh, for those who are in positions of power that the scriptures say that God has placed in there. And that praying that they will use that power appropriately according to godly wisdom. The wisdom from above and not selfish ambition. Uh, others of you are helping to deliver and pack food. Whether it's at Christ's community where this week 147 families were, were served food that otherwise wouldn't have had food. Or with Pleasant Hill. Uh, academy and helping to not only deliver food, but but also some activities for the children of our neighborhood and others who are giving to our deacons fund to help uh, help care for for folks who've lost job and, and income um, and need help in order to, to pay their, their bills. And then others of you are taking time to make phone calls, to write notes. I got an email just today. Uh, from someone who just said how much they appreciated someone from the church just calling and checking in and talking and what, how meaningful it was for them. And, and none of you desire or want fireworks or headlines. If they come, that, that's great. But that's not what we need. And that's not what you need or what you want. Because in the power of the Holy Spirit, You're you're demonstrating a people being committed to Jesus to live according to godly wisdom. So may we learn from him, declutter from the temptations to pursue the power of this world, and focus on the wisdom of God in Jesus. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do first give you praise for Jesus. We praise you for, uh, indeed, his following after you, even in the midst of such trials. He demonstrates that godly wisdom is greater than worldly power. And we give you thanks. We marvel at him. Help us, Lord, to, to learn more and more from him. Help us to see him more clearly. To fall deeper in love with him. To be that much more amazed. By the power of love in him. And Lord we, we ask for the, the leaders of our world. The leaders of our nations. The leaders of our cities and, and of our states. Lord we, we pray that you would grant them your wisdom. And it would be a godly wisdom that, that would lead to peace. That, that, that would lead um, to, to health. We, we ask um, as well, Lord, that you would fill us, your church. And fill us in the power of your spirit so that we would follow after the ways of Jesus. And Lord, you, you hear the cries of our heart. We pray for one another. You know, those that are in need of your healing hand, those in need of your provision, those in need of, of work, of food, We lift them up to you and pray that you will um, use us or others to provide for the needs of those that are on our hearts. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.